Welcome on into the Smash Mouth Football Podcast. As always, I am your host, Chris McGuire, with my fellow co-host, Gavin Everingham. It is the two of us today. Uh, and uh, Gavin, uh, first of all, I guess I didn't get new glasses. What? I, yeah, yeah. It's, it, I'm just wearing big old fucking glasses on my face. And I, I, I didn't get anything. I didn't get like, oh, nice glasses, or I, I didn't even get like a, oh, what's up, four eyes. You didn't even like, <laughs> like make like a, a joke about it. You didn't compliment me. You didn't bust my balls about it. It's just like, like I feel like the worst part about it is getting ignored. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm sorry, Chris. I, I I like your glasses. It's probably too late now, though. The hurt's probably already done. Yeah, the hurt's done. The hurt's done. Well, at least you're here. I'm happy to have you here. Uh, even though you're uh, you're a dickhead, and oh, uh, no, it's all right. Yeah, it's cool. I've been saying dickhead a lot. I don't know why. Uh yeah, horrendous and dickhead. I think are your two favorite yeah, words. It's been I've, I've been saying dickhead a lot lately. I don't know why. I, I have a lot of words. I have a lot of words, and I uh, choose those two. Anyway, let's get into the episode. Let's start with our Thursday night football preview. Get that out of the way, so we can talk about our topics. I got Peach Mini and Connor's picks for the Thursday night football game between the New England Patriots, the suddenly hot New England Patriots, going against the Los Angeles Rams, the NFC West leading New... uh, I almost said New Orleans Rams. I don't know why. Uh, Los Angeles Rams. I mean, they got to thank my Giants. They got to thank my fucking Giants because the Giants are apparently a good-ish team's team. Good-ish. Good-ish team. Anyway, the Rams are five-point favorites. Connor and Peachmitty are going with the Rams. Uh, if I had to guess, it probably has something to do with Cam Newton. being, Even though he's 2-0 in his last two starts, he, he's averaging like less than 100 yards of passing a game. Incredible, really. The fact that they put up 45 points last week and Cam threw for 69 passing yards. Nice. And nice. rushed for like 40-something rushing yards is incredible. I mean, I know that there was a lot of special teams gaffes by the Chargers and um, there a lot, a, lot of, a lot of bullshit went down. But, but, but still, I mean, you put up 45 points and you also shut out the Chargers and... Uh, it's pretty incredible. I mean, the Chargers, I think, have been consistently terrible at special teams for the past five years. And, uh, oh, boy, it really did not – it was not pretty. There were, no. there, were, there were several plays. There was, what, there was a block field goal, a return punt for a touchdown, three different occasions, I think, or two, two – I think there were two different occasions. The Chargers had the wrong amount of people on the field for a punt. Like, God, it was – terrible yep and uh that, that's what happens when you face bill belichick you just make stupid mistakes i guess i guess and then also on top of that justin herbert looks like a lost schoolboy. so yeah I, I mean like i i've been saying it i've been saying it he's starting to like i mean i like when i say figured out i don't mean like he's been horrendous he's obviously been good for the most part especially for a rookie but it's like everything that he's done this year like the one thing that he's had consistent, and you and I have alluded to it on this podcast for the most part, is he's been outstanding when under pressure, and he's had so many of these like big plays, these deep ball touchdowns 
to where it's kind of like, all right, if you if you guard the deep ball, obviously like it's easier said than done. Like Patrick Mahomes is going to like not compare not saying that Justin Herbert's Patrick Mahomes, but obviously like defensive coordinators are going to a chief game saying, Oh, we can't let Tyree Kill beat us over the top, and then Tyree Kill ends up beating them over the top. It's easier said than done. But especially with a rookie quarterback hitting all these deep plays under pressure, like at what point is that unsustainable? And we're starting to see as of late with Justin Herbert a little bit of those rookie struggles. And it's not anything where it's like he's playing poorly. I don't want anybody to think that I'm saying that. But we are seeing a little bit of him being a rookie as opposed to that like four game stretch where he just looked like one of the best quarterbacks in football. Yeah, I agree. And especially like. I mean, it was against Bill Belichick, and Bill Belichick is the known rookie quarterback terrorizer and and all that. Um, so that probably had something to do with it. And we also saw a little glimpse of it uh, in um, in Miami whenever Herbert went against the the Belichick coaching tree defense um, and of Brian Flores, and uh, he also looked the same. I mean, it wasn't as bad of a blowout um, as this game was, but. It, it was it was a diet version of what we saw uh, this last week. So, yeah, for sure, for sure. But anyway, again to this Rams Patriots game. Uh, I just had Cam sit there. They are. So Cam in his last three games, I'm just gonna show like do two separate lights of Cam. So this past game, a win, forty-five to nothing. Twelve of nineteen, sixty-nine yards, nice. 87.4 pass rating for whatever pass rating is worth. Uh, 3.63 yards per attempt. 14 carries for 48 yards. Two rushing touchdowns. So, I mean, he's adding some value in his legs, but still only 3.43 yards per carry. The previous game, win against Arizona, 20-17. to 17, 9 of 18, 84 yards. Two interceptions, 23.6 pass rating. 15, oh, sorry, wrong number. Nine carries for 46 yards, zero touchdowns. And, and they then, won. and they won 2017. And the previous week before that, they lost 20 to, seven, 20 to 27, 26 of 40, 365 yards, a touchdown, 102.6 passer rating, 9.13 yards per attempt. So is passing bad? Is passing bad? So you just is, said? Pa- is, is passing bad? <laughs> is passing well a bad formula for this Patriots? I mean, is passing bad a good formula for this Patriots team? Well, I mean, I don't know. I don't really. I mean, because he also had like I think the first week of the season against Miami where they won. Cam threw for like 150 passing yards, um, and but they also had like a ground attack where he was had a lot of design rushes and. And yada yada, and, and it's like Cam. It's strange. I really don't know. I don't know how they're winning, or how they've won these last two weeks the way they have with the output from Cam Newton. I think it's just really key situations where Cam's picking up like these key third downs with his legs and and just kind of hitting the stuff that he has to. But like nineteen pass attempts and you only get sixty nine yards. Like that's. It's, it's crazy. It's fucking I mean, crazy. I mean, and, and it's not like it's totally designed. Like he's still he's missing throws. It's not like Bill Belichick's like j- only wanting him to throw for seventy yards. Like that's just, just. I mean, I don't know. 
I don't understand how they're like I if you if you told me that stat line, twelve of nineteen for sixty nine yards, zero touchdowns, like and they scored forty five points, I'd be like, how? Like what? You know, it's a crazy game. Yeah, I mean that's that's absurd. Like and it's funny because it's like obviously like, like I'm being very facetious when I say is passing bad. Like obviously like the 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 best teams in the NFL like. The, the Chiefs, the fucking New Orleans Saints. I mean, not necessarily Taysom Hill Saints. Uh, the Packers, you, even the the Packers, even the, even the Steelers to some degree. Like it's like they have efficient passing attacks, and then you see like Cam Newton. He has one single game this entire year that they have won, and he's passed for over two hundred yards. One, and yeah. this isn't like a this isn't a team that's like. They're not a losing team. That that's the crazy part about it. Like they're not like two and like nine. Like he's he's won. How many games has he won now? Uh, one, two, three, five, four, wins. five, six. They're they're six. six. They're six and five with him in the lineup. And only one of those six wins came with like him passing over two hundred yards. That's fucking crazy. That is nuts. That's crazy, but specifically this game, how do you think it's going to go out, uh, go down? Because Connor and P. Schmitty both tend to think that I'm assuming that they think with this output of Cam Newton is unsustainable, and I would agree it's unsustainable, uh, but can Cam Newton do enough to keep it within a five-point margin? And can they even, can they win? Well, they can. I mean, like, okay, here's the thing. We're not too far removed from a very eerily similar stat line from the aforementioned Belichick coaching tree team out down down south, where the Rams lost to the Dolphins with Tua Tagovailoa only throwing for like 84 yards and only passing the ball. I don't know, it was a 20, 20 times, something like that. And yeah what happened was, and we've said it over and over again, Tua just didn't have, he just played better than Jared Goff. And that wasn't hard having Jared, because Jared Goff threw two interceptions and fumbled twice or whatever it was. He had four total turnovers. So any given week, you might get bad Jared Goff and bad Jared Goff is really, really bad. And so, no, absolutely. If you, if you, if you limit the turnovers from Cam and the offense overall, then you can you can get a win over this Rams team. I don't think it'll be easy. I think there's a reason why they're they're underdogs by five points, but I think five is probably the right number. Um, Honestly, I'm a little shocked. I, I'm a little shocked by this number because I was thinking I was going into this week because I've been riding the Patriots the last two weeks where the the value of their number has been crazy to me. Like uh, Arizona, one and a half point favorites against New England, especially with Kyler Murray having his hurt shoulder. And then, uh, I mean, not like crazy. I don't want to say like crazy, but uh, New England minus one against the Los Angeles Chargers. Like it's like they we've been getting an insane value for the New England Patriots. And I was assuming, you know what? We're going into this game. We're not going to get much value, but they're getting five whole points. And I think, you know, what's crazier is that um, I'm pretty sure it was number is moving like if you look at the uh like i think it was like plus 102 or something like that for the for the for the patriots 
side of the line and i'm pretty sure it's like moving towards like six six and a half if you were to like check now so um at the time we we made our picks it was five uh, but i think by game day we might be at six and a half points which is ridiculous um I, you know i think i don't i don't really trust the patriots as a team i think they have a really bad roster they have one maybe two receivers that can get open. Jacoby Myers has kind of developed as a, as a good all around receiver. Demir bird is a, he's fast. I mean, so he can get separation. He's that fast. Way. Um, <laughs> he's that's, that's about oh, it. I love that reasoning. He's fast. <laughs> so, um, but I just, I just think that I think five points is a lot. And so I think the Rams are a much better team. I think they're, Oh, for sure. Their roster is way better. Their defense overall is better. Their offense is is run better. But I don't know. I just I think the Patriots are capable of keeping it close in prime time. I don't you know I don't necessarily think they're going to get blown out by any means. I'm just I'm just remembering the Super Bowl where yeah, but Jared Goff won again. I I know I know it's different. It it is different. I understand that. But what I'm saying is, is that that game was won by the Patriots 13 to 3. Oh, and yeah. Because, I mean, they scored because, three points. Yeah, they scored three points. And though those Patriots defense isn't necessarily the same, I mean, they do still have Stephon Gilmore. They still have JC Jackson. Uh, they do have Kyle Duggar, who's established a very good role with that Patriot defense. Chase Winovich it, also has been pretty decent. Um, yeah, it, it's it's a defense that's continuously getting better throughout the year, and they still have an elite corner, Stephon Gilmore, to cover a Robert Woods or Cooper Cup. I mean, I doubt he'd cover Cooper Cup because Cooper Cup is going to be in the slot the entire game. Yeah. But the one thing that Jared Goff, we've seen out of him is like like you mentioned it, he goes so back and forth, back and forth between good quarterback, bad quarterback. He he can't read the field, and Bill Belichick really captivated that he showed exactly how inept Jared Goff is under pressure reading defenses being late on reads in the Super Bowl and we saw earlier against the same Belichick defense going going against a Brian Brian Flores like you mentioned and the same is true Jared Goff couldn't hit his reads he couldn't read the defense he had no idea what the fuck was going on and it makes it tough for me even though Sean McVay in recent weeks has made it a lot easier on Jared Goff by making his average depth of target like four or five in the past few weeks to where it's been extremely easy for him to pick up easy yardage, yards after the catch. It, I, it, I'm very hard-pressed to pick the Los Angeles Rams, though I can 100% see the Los Angeles Rams winning by like... I, I can see the Rams winning like 13 nothing because their defense is so good and like... The Patriots just don't muster up any points. But also, I just think the Patriots are going to keep this close, and I would not be shocked at all if they sent zero blitz after zero blitz against Jared Goff, and he couldn't do shit. Yeah, because the main thing, if we're going to go back to the Super Bowl, I think Bill Bill Belichick did an absolutely masterful thing in, in mapping out a blueprint of how to just neutralize and totally just destroy that McVay system. And it was really that pretty simple. I mean, it was obviously probably a little more in depth than this, but he really just put like, what was it like seven, seven men on the line of scrimmage 
there's like six or seven guys in line of scrimmage and, and, and just like stopped that like outside zone sweep motion kind of stuff that that, that Rams offense was like f- the foundation of that Rams offense. And it, and it, I think that's, that's close to what, what Flores did earlier in the year. Yeah. And it like, obviously McVay's system has evolved since that Super Bowl, but I think that Bill Belichick can do the exact same thing in terms of like, all right, well, this kind of, this offense is run through the system. It's not like the the quarterback can put the game on his shoulders and kind of just like call his own audibles and, and, and call his own number and, and make plays on his own. He's very heavily reliant on the plays that are put into his ear by, yeah by Sean McVay saying, Hey Goff, here's going to be the read, throw the ball here. If this is open, like that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I, I just, the only reason will be Bill Belichick and that's why I don't necessarily think the Patriots are going to win. I wouldn't be shocked if they don't cover, but I just think the odds are that they do. And so that's why I'm, I'm yeah. going to pick the Patriots to cover the five. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I'm going to keep rolling with the Patriots and the value there. Uh, with that said, uh, let's go over to quick week records from last week. I forgot to go over that. Uh, I got hot. I went 10 and five. It's about fucking time. I'm 81, one five and three. I'm coming back. I'm so pumped. I'm only two games behind fucking Connor. Connor is 83, 98 and one. Uh, he went seven and eight. Gavin went eight and seven, 91, 95 and three. P. Schmitty went eight and seven as well. 84, 88 and two. He had two lone wolves. P. Schmitty, the New York Jets and the Denver Broncos. Oh, I hate that he had the fucking Broncos. Why'd it have to be the Broncos? God damn it. Anyway. Everything about Denver. <laughs> thing is i would like denver i I really like they they should have a good team i wish they were good because i would like them just they yeah literally they just need a new quarterback fucking drew lock he's so bad he's so bad chrissy's so bad he's horrendous (laughs) i don't want to get started on it because everybody knows if i get started i'm just gonna keep going and i shouldn't i owe it to our listeners not to get on shut up gavin shut up uh all right Let's get, let's get on these topics. So, Jalen Hurts played this week, and, and he actually played. Like, like we got we got rumblings the week prior in week twelve that Jalen Hurts was gonna gonna get more running time with the offense. He comes in, we get tweets uh, all over Twitter, uh, and just saying, "Oh, Jalen Hurts is in for Carson Wentz." Blah 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 blah, and then he gets taken out after one snap. This week was different. He goes in. He finishes the game. The offense instantly looks better, and not that they looked great or anything, but instantly, like they they come in. Jalen Rager gets involved. Thirty-six yard pass downfield. All of a sudden, their first round pick, Jalen Rager, who hasn't been used the entire year, is involved. Uh, Jalen Hurts throws his first touchdown pass. Beautiful corner out to Dallas Goddard. So. We got a few questions here. What do the Eagles do? We'll answer that real quick. Uh, Gavin, what what do you think the Eagles do, first of all? You have to roll with Jalen Hurts, go, at least the rest of the season. I mean, there's no there's no reason why you go back to Carson Wentz, given the way he's played. Like, I think they've given him enough chances throughout the year where it's like, okay, maybe he's in a funk. Maybe he's just like, there's no, there's no reason why Carson Wentz is playing the way he's playing. And because he's never shown that kind of, like, even his rookie year, which wasn't great, he still showed the flashes of being a franchise 
quarterback. And I think even the Eagles knew after his rookie year, like, okay, this is our guy going forward. And then this year hits and it's like, holy shit. Like Carson Wentz, without exaggerating, has been the worst quarterback in the entire NFL, even including some backups that have come in and played. Like he has been just bottom of the barrel, terrible. And so I think the Eagles have to play Jalen Hurts. And for the simple fact that it's it's like an addition by subtraction thing, like Jalen Hurts comes in, not that he even plays magnificent. He had that he had a few good throws, very promising stuff. And just the offense just like and it happens with other backups too, right? Like you you'll have a backup call come off the bench and it just lights a spark. Don't know what it is. Just it reignites the offense somehow. The other team hasn't seen the quarterback play, and there's not a lot of film and preparation, yada yada, whatever. But like, how are you going to put in Jalen Hurts? He shows some promising stuff, and then you just go, "Yeah, let's just go back to Carson Wentz." Like, it wouldn't make any sense. So for at least no. for the rest of the season, they have to play Jalen Hurts. Now, now, I'm not going to say that he's going to go into next week against the New Orleans Saints and play well. I mean, you, you can't really expect that from him. I think it's going to be maybe a, a rough outing for Jalen Hurts. Not that he can play worse than Carson Wentz would play necessarily. But, I mean, I think the the, the question that really gets tricky is what do they do next year? Um, and I think that was the next part we were going to talk about. Like, what do they do going forward and how what do they have to see from Jalen Hurts for the rest of this season in order to make the decision that they are moving on from Carson Wentz? And... How do they go about doing that, given the contract that he has? I don't think they can move on. I think it's I think it's literally impossible to move on. Like it, like we're talking about a contract that just starts hitting. Like like it's ju- like the money is just kicking in now, which is which is the fucking crazy part. No, I know, but if if Jalen Hurts comes in and throws for three hundred yards a game and is lighting it up, what do you do? Just say ah fuck it, oh well, and then you ship him off somewhere else. Who who's gonna take him? Now, that's my question. Like I I genuinely have no idea who would want to take Carson Wentz after like this isn't like a quarterback that's looking like he's just playing bad because he has bad what because here's here's what we should say about Carson Wentz. He legitimately and and this isn't to like give him any sort of I'm not trying to take blame off of him because. He's an NFL quarterback. He's an MVP level type of quarterback as we've seen in the past. Is he still that? Probably not. But he he's had flashes of play of being one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. And he's playing with he's had 12 offensive linemen this year who which is crazy. He's had so many injuries across the offensive line. His his weapons have been like horrendous for the most part. And their best receiver, Travis Fulgham, who was leading the league in the like leading the league in receiving yards for like four weeks straight, they just suddenly stopped using him, which is crazy to me. Like, how the fuck does Travis Fulgham average like a hundred yards a game for four straight games, and then Alshon Jeffrey comes back, and you're like, oh, Alshon Jeffrey, great. I can't. We're gonna fucking play you, even though you. I, it, it's funny. It, it makes no fucking sense. I don't even. Yeah. I don't even know how to describe it. I'm a, at a loss of words. How Doug Pe- Peterson can see that and just say, "I'm going to just not play my best weapon." And it's the same thing with fucking 
you and I, both of us, hate to bring up fantasy. You and I both have Miles Sanders in different fantasy leagues, and you're choosing not to use Miles Sanders. But to talk about the contract real quick. So the contract literally just started setting in. Like, he signed the contract last year, but his cap hit last year was only $8.3 million. This year, it was only $18.7 million. Next year, it's $34.7 million in cap space. Yeah, that's no, it's the ridiculous. Cap. I'm just, my question, that's why the question is, like, what has to happen? Like, if, like literally, if Jalen Hurts comes in and wins the Eagles a playoff berth and maybe even sneaks out a win somehow, who knows? Do you, you do you still revert back to Carson? Like, I, I just, I mean, I get, I, I, fully, I, look, I totally fully understand that one, no one's going to want him, maybe outside of New England, which would be crazy if, you know, they got rid of Cam and brought in Carson Wentz. But that that contract is not ideal at all, especially I, given how he's playing. I keep seeing that, that like, that whole, like, Carson in New England, like, Bill Belichick's going to fix uh, Carson Wentz. Fucking Bill Belichick turned down giving Tom Brady $25 million a year for two years. Yeah. You think he's going to take Carson Wentz at $32 million a year after the year he's fucking having? And after he just got Cam Newton for fucking buck 50. Like, you know. No, I, I agree. It's just that I agree that no one wants that contract. Not even the Eagles. But like what this is such a shitty situation for the Eagles. Especially if Jalen Hurts plays well. So what do you do? What like what do you do? You ship off Hurts? Like I, that's what I mean. Like you can't. No, I, th- I think you legitimately like you like all bad contracts. You just you have to like the dead cat. I wouldn't say dead cap. I would keep him as a backup. I mean, that's the thing. Like, he's <laughs> he's going to be so ridiculous, though. I mean, it, I, it's crazy. It, no, it is a hundred percent crazy. First of all, let's just say, let's just preface this. I don't think Jalen Hurts is going to be all that great right now. At least not now. He's going to. He's probably going to be better than Carson Wentz. But especially going into this week where he's playing New Orleans Saints, I think he's going to really struggle. And honestly, I can totally see this being the case where Jalen Hurts struggles, and then they. And they, they're like, see, we shouldn't have put Jalen Hurts in. We need to put Carson Wentz back in. Even though, like, the the, the difference in competition is going to be, like, fucking crazy. Where they're like, like let's see, who, who who do they play after? Just going to look at their future games real quick. So I Probably cannot Dallas again at some point. They, no, they, play, they play Arizona and Dallas. So watch, like, Jalen Hurts struggle this weekend. And then Doug Peterson goes, see, this is why we should have kept playing Carson Wentz. They play Carson Wentz against the Arizona Cardinals and the Dallas Cowboys and watch him light it up against the Cowboys. And he goes, see, he's fine. He's fine. This is our guy. Come on. But maybe. But then even like we saw Carson play Dallas earlier this year, and that was the biggest fucking shit show I've ever seen. Yeah. Fucking Ben DiNucci almost kept that shit close for like three quarters. No, I no, I I agree. It. If I had to be, if I'm, if I'm being serious, what I would do is exactly what you said. I play Jalen Hurts the rest of the year, no matter what, because right now Carson Wentz looks broken, and I think just throwing him in to this broken system, broken offensive line, broken weapons, it's not going to help him. 
I think what it can do is it can at the very least give Jalen Hurts just experience playing with bad players. And even though it's not going to be necessarily a good experience, it's experience nonetheless. And any rookie quarterback can benefit from that. Uh, uh, quick question but, before you keep going, just um, you can add on to what you're saying. Yeah. Do you buy sure. the whole, there was the rumor on Twitter. I don't know what source it was from or whatever that, the, the drafting of Jalen Hurts like hurt Carson Wentz's psyche. Like, no, no, <laughs> no. It makes no fucking sense. If Carson Wentz is that big, like if he's that like self conscious, then he shouldn't be in the fucking NFL. Yeah, yeah I agree. That's why I was wondering. It, like, it's just it's kind of ridiculous. But like, who just makes that shit up? Like, I don't know. I mean. He like Carson Wentz played well after Nick Foles won a Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, I agree. It, it's not crazy. as well, but you know, no, 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 not as well. Of course, I mean, the, going from MVP level to like pretty good, like like Carson Wentz. I think everybody could agree Carson Wentz was a good quarterback in 2018 and 2019. Yeah, he was like he was like eight to twelve, like that range, probably. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So, he was a good quarterback, not elite, but he was a good quarterback. Yeah. Uh, and then all of a sudden Jalen Hurts, even though he's like sharing the field, like he's literally sharing a quarterback room with a guy who won a Super Bowl when he got, when he got hurt. And then all of a sudden Jalen Hurts comes in and Jalen Hurts is the problem. No, fuck no, absolutely not. But back to what I was saying, you play Jalen Hurts the rest of the way. There's probably not going to be anything to do. Like if there's probably nothing to do with Carson Wentz contract, probably can't get him off the books. If you can probably take it, I mean, like, like, yeah, you got. If somebody's offering you a trade, you basically got to take it because this is a pretty stacked quarterback class, and I would much rather have a rookie quarterback on a rookie deal than trying to hope and pray Carson Wentz comes back at thirty-two million dollars a year. Um. Uh, but when it comes to going into the off season, I don't think they should. In terms of fully moving on the uh, Jalen Hurts, I don't think that's really plausible. I think next year they just go into a quarterback, uh, just quarterback controversy, quarterback battle, competition, and training camp. Um, for what teams should go after Carson Wentz if he somehow were to leave the Eagles? I don't know. Do do you do you have any thoughts on that? I mean, if money was okay, the whole the whole thing that throws a wrench into this shit is literally nobody wants to pay Carson Wentz thirty two million dollars. The quarterback that he is right now, which is again not exaggerating, the worst quarterback in the league. Like, I mean, I don't, I don't think that's like who he always will be, but this year, in almost every advanced or unadvanced metric you try to pull from, he's at the bottom. Like it, turnovers, like that, negatively graded plays from PFF, like passer rating, he's probably like way down there. EPA per play, like he's they're just so bad, and so in terms of like what I think he could be and what he could add to an offense, like ceiling wise, cause we've already seen a ceiling, like, I don't know, maybe the lions, maybe, uh, maybe Denver, the, all the, all the teams that like maybe need a quarterback, but like, do you need that? You'd rather just take a shot at the, at the draft this year, than then try to hope you get what, like what Carson Wentz could be. Cause yeah, well, Carson Wentz, like you said, was a good quarterback. Like, everyone saw that. There was legitimately an argument before this year, like, between Dak and Carson Wentz, 
between Eagles and Cowboys fans. Now that's not really an argument anymore, but that's not like a, that wasn't a foregone conclusion coming into this year. Um, and so it's like, I don't, I, I just, I would rather go for a Zach Wilson or a Justin Fields or Trey Lance rather than Carson Wentz, who just has shown that it wasn't just this year. It was like the end of 2019 too. Like granted it was the same kind of situation where he had Greg Ward as his number one receiver and no offensive line and whatever, but he was still just despite all that, even when his no name receivers were getting open and he did have time in the pocket, he just was, missing throws and it's not even that he's necessarily making the wrong read it's just the ball's not going where he wants it to go and that yeah. is just it doesn't matter if you're making the right read if you can't put the ball where you want it to go like that's kind of quarterback 101 like you what are you going to do when that's the case At nothing you're seeing it this year that's what you're going to do you're yeah benched <laughs> so, so it's he, he's the most perplexing like it like last year, like the most perplexing and like honestly in recent years, it's always been the most perplexing quarterback has been Jameis Winston just because of like how like good at the same exact time. And Ryan Fitzpatrick, like those two guys were just the yeah, two. Ex- like, what the fuck are you? Yeah, exactly. And then now it's just Carson Wentz, who's just like bad, but we've seen like like MVP level play. And it's just crazy that like two years ago, there were arguments of him being the best quarterback in the NFL or three years ago, I should say. And then now it's just like, wow, he legitimately might be the worst. Yeah, because because the thing is, is like typically you, when you have a volatile kind of quarterback like Carson Wentz, who's like a big play kind of guy who's not really an efficient down to down passer, you maybe get the upswing like Cam Newton in 2015, right? Or, yeah, uh, you know, Eli in the playoffs or Joe hey, Flacco. Now. Hey, hey, shut hey. the fuck up. You <laughs> shut the fuck up. <laughs> or like a Lamar Jackson. Obviously, that's a little too early to call, but maybe that might end up being the case where you have these volatile players and and when you get the upswing of their good play and you combine that all into one season, you get an MVP level kind of deal with, with like Carson Wentz. But then whenever that comes back down to earth, maybe their baseline is a decent amount lower than that, like Cam Newton. But to go from MVP to literal garbage, I just, that is what's so incredible. That's what I don't, no one understands. It's perplexing because it's not it's not even like one of those things where it's like with Cam, it's like the the struggles that he has is more on the fact that he's never he's always been a volatile passer. Always. Always. So when you take when you take that away and he only has the rushing, it's like, all right, that makes sense. But Carson Wentz was legitimately like a good passer. Like he, he was like he had like the what the fuck plays where like you're just like, holy shit, like that could have gone either way. It could have been a pick. Or it could have been like a 70 yard touchdown and times and not in 2017, it was like a 70 yard touchdown. But still, like he he had that elite level type of passing ability to where it's just crazy how that's just suddenly gone. Uh Completely. moving on though. Moving on though to we're staying within the NFC East. Uh we don't really want to like keep talking about the nfc east because like literally for most of the year it's been kind of crazy how bad it's been but then suddenly it's week 13 and the washington football team well let me just preface it preface this with the new york football giants beat the eight and three mvp candidate russell wilson and the seattle seahawks 
and then the Giants are in first place, I'm thinking, wow, maybe I should actually start rooting for this team. And then 48 hours later or 20, no, 24 hours later, the fucking Washington football team, the nameless Washington football team defeats the 11-0 Pittsburgh Steelers. No, it's... Am I, am, let me ask you your opinion. Am I crazy to like get on the bandwagon now? Like, am I crazy to start rooting for them now? Because because here's how I'm thinking of it. Uh, I'm thinking that like I, I I I there's little to no chance the Giants win the Super Bowl. I I understand that. Uh, but they're not gonna get a high enough pick at this point to get a quarterback. Not that they would move on from Daniel Jones. I really doubt that they would move on from Daniel Jones. And the Giants and where the what I want the Giants to do is if they're not going to move on from Daniel Jones, which I know many Giants fans have seen the improvement over the last three games. (laughs) Uh, But uh, and granted, he has improved. I don't don't mean to say that sarcastically because he has improved. I just don't see that ceiling. I don't see him ever being an elite quarterback. We can disagree, agree to disagree, whatever Giant fans, blah, blah, blah. Prove me wrong. I hope I hope he does. I really hope he ends up being elite because I would love to win a, see a Super Bowl again. Uh, but what I want the Giants to do, since they probably won't move on from Daniel Jones, is I want to see them get some weapons, surround him with weapons like a Devonta Smith. Uh, this is just Jalen Waddle. Just this this is an insane wide receiver class and. With that said, it doesn't necessarily matter what draft pick you have. So I I do think I am on the side of sometimes getting some playoff experience, especially for a young coach, a young team that the Giants have. It could be beneficial to the team. So if if they're not going to be getting their quarterback, if the position of need and a position of value is so strong like it is in this draft with the wide receiver class, I don't necessarily think it will hurt them too bad if they fall a little bit in the draft. So I'm on the fence of we're at the point now of no return. We're not going to be able to get the quarterback. We might as well go, go all in. Let's fucking see if we can make noise. Is that crazy of me? No, no, I don't think it is. And I think that um, so the, this, this Giants team, what they start off like one in fucking seven or whatever? Like they were. Yes. Yeah. Yes. One in seven. And they're all close games and, you know, they, their defense on paper is bad outside of James Bradbury and Blake Martinez, the run stopping middle linebacker. I don't know if he, I don't really know how he's played in coverage this year. Maybe he's been better than he used to be, but that's what he's always been. Um, Other than that though, like, yeah, you have the hog mollies up front, Dave Gettleman's prize and fucking joy, but they, they have played so way, over their head. No, yeah. Like, I mean, the Panthers are doing that for a little bit. Um, they've kind of come back down to earth a, a little bit as well. But, like, this Giants team, the fact that they beat the Seahawks, the fact that they held Russell Wilson to 12 points over the course of four quarters, like, they... And they were down five to zero at halftime. Um, like, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's very, it's very strange. No one thought that they were going to win this game. No one. Like, 
I, I said, I did say a few weeks ago, I said there is a shot that the Giants can beat beat the Seattle Seahawks. I didn't say it, it was going to be, a, I'm not trying to get credit. And especially you didn't think Colt McCoy was going to be starting. No, I did not. No, definitely not. <laughs> so, I, I'm not, I'm not, I promise you, I'm not looking for credit. I'm just saying with how the Giants have played, they, they're, they're one of the teams that you look at in the schedule and you circle it and you say, this is probably going to be a weird game. Yeah. So that's why they, was it? No, some game just got flexed to Giant, um, Giants Browns. Yeah, Giants Browns. That that's going to be a major. I think the reason why they flex it at prime time is it's going to be it's going to have major playoff implications at that point. Yeah. It's going to be the the AFC North and, and NFC East, and the winner of that game is going to, you know, it's it's going to be a huge deal because they're the Browns are kind of battling with the Ravens, and obviously the Giants are now battling with the Washington football team, and hell, hell maybe even the Eagles later on down the road. I think the Cowboys are kind of gone because. I mean, Andy Dalton sucks. And so, but I, no, I think you're right. I think that you'd much rather see, all right, what can this team do given the bare bones roster that we have and the way that they're playing? Like, let's see the best that Joe judge or whoever can make out of this roster. And if they play well enough and they give you some kind of hope, then you take that as a baseline and then head into the next season with a certain amount of expectations. And then whatever you add on to it, whether it's a receiver in the first round or hopefully for your sake, it's a receiver in the first round. And then, you know, maybe another D tackle in the. <laughs> Just, I, will, I, I will be fucking beside myself. <laughs> I will be so, I will be fucking beside myself. Honestly, like the what I've been thinking about is like, they can get a pass rusher first round and I'll be like, decently happy and then they can get a receiver second round like i like i wouldn't even mind that like it's it's just it's such a strong receiver class to where it's kind of like and we thought right, like, it, last year was a strong receiver class too but is this do you think this receiver class is more top heavy than the last one or because like i know the um, main names like jamar chase there's waddle you know there's there's um devonta smith like i don't know i don't really follow college football enough to know like the, the second round receivers that'll come in but you know so I think so. It's really tough because it's kind of like with um, I think with this past receivers receiving class, it was kind of like you, it was it was really going into the draft. It was Jerry Judy and CD Lamb and Henry Ruggs, which I mean, Henry Ruggs actually got drafted highest amongst all of them. Henry Ruggs was kind of a question mark because he's like super fast. He got injured at Alabama. Nobody really knew exactly where he was going to go, how high he was going to go, how many, what teams were going to really value that speed because he never really had the production of a Judy or a Devonta Smith. Yeah. Um, and then you have players like Justin Jefferson who are popping off where we didn't expect Justin Jefferson to be as good as he is. Like Justin Jefferson has an argument to be a top 10, top five receiver in the NFL right now. Uh, and then there was Denzel Chase. Mims and Denzel know. Mims. Obviously the jury's still out on him because we have no idea what he is. He's been hurt and he's playing but in the there Jets. Was, there was also like a Michael Pittman, a, a, a Hamler, a Rager. Like there were a Chase Claypool. Of, Chase right, Claypool Chase, surprised yeah. people this year. I mean, Chase Claypool has been probably a top 30 receiver in the NFL. I mean, sure. big play after big play. I mean, he's had a touchdown basically in every game so far this season. So it's tough for me to say that this this wide receiving class, wide receiver class, is 
top heavy because you have Jamar Chase, who had 20 touchdowns in his last year with Joe Burrow. We have Devonta Smith, who's going to who's going to leave Alabama. Alabama, who's had Julio Jones, Jerry Judy. Uh, he has Jalen Waddle on his team. He's Calvary. got fucking Calvin Ridley. Amari just all Cooper. Amari Cooper. All these great, literally wide receiver you. And you have Devonta Smith, who's going to leave Alabama with the receiving yardage record, which is crazy. The, he has some concerns because he's a, apparently only 175 pounds. I don't know how much muscle he's really he's gained. I mean, that's something he can work on in the offseason. But he just gets open on every route. Doesn't matter what the route is. He's just he he's fucking astounding. He had 200 yards this past week and basically two and a half quarters in. Yeah. Uh, and, and also it, the crazy thing, just to talk about Jamar Chase for a second, is like Jamar Chase is seen as like the was the better of the two in terms of Justin Jefferson, like yeah. on that LSU team and Justin Jefferson is murdering it this year. Yeah. So if, if Jamar Chase's game can translate the same way Justin Jefferson's did, like, holy shit, you know? Yeah. We, uh, the thing that gets me about uh, Jamar Chase is, uh, I mean, we'll get to this, the off season when we, I don't think Jamar Chase is necessarily the route runner. Justin Jefferson is, I think Justin Jefferson was always a better route runner the issue was, and it's it's to the chagrin of uh, a lot of scouts. Uh, actually, I don't even think I used that word right, chagrin. Uh, but uh, but uh, it, to the fault of many scouts, uh, a lot of scouts labeled him as just a slot guy because he had like 110 receptions his last year at LSU, and most of them came from the slot to where they kind of forgot about the production he had as an outside receiver the year prior. I mean, he had over 800 yards, I believe, at LSU in his uh, his sophomore junior year. I can't remember if he grew up. And that was I can't remember. bad Joe Burrow. Yeah, that was with Joe Burrow in an outdated offensive system. Yeah. And so, like, Justin, like, Justin Jefferson, like, we, we saw it with Odell. Like, Odell, when he was coming out, he wasn't really as highly touted but we had no idea what uh, Odell was going to be, and that's because like he had the talent, but he played in this outdated system at LSU. But and he was then... also the most polished. That whole class it was like Kelvin Benjamin, Mike Evans, and then Odell, and I don't remember who else was in the first round, but you know. Yeah, but a lot of people thought the Giants reached on Odell, and Odell ended up being the best receiver of all of them by far, at least for the first few years. Maybe not now. But... Mike Evans is probably have it has it now. But... Yeah, for sure. But uh, you know, or when it Kelvin. comes to I mean, Kelvin, Kelvin's a beast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Tight end one. Uh, <laughs> but it it's just like he Justin Jefferson got typecast and casted. He he just they thought this guy's a slot receiver, and then he's been everything but that this year. He can do he can do inside outside. He is he is insane. Like he's a he's going to be so fucking fun to watch for the rest of his career, and I'm so excited about it. But and then, but this year we got Jalen Waddle. We didn't even get to Jalen Waddle. We named Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith. Jalen Waddle is in, like he's literally a number one wide receiver, but of course he's on Alabama with Devontae Smith. And Jalen Waddle very well probably will be drafted over Devontae Smith because he's got the better size speed combination. Uh, uh, fuck, I'm, I'm blanking on the Purdue wide receiver. Uh, court, uh, 
uh, Cardell, more, more uh, Purdue wide receiver. Well, Rashad Bateman out of Minnesota. Rashad Bateman's going to be a uh, first-round draft pick. Like, there's so many receivers this year. It's so exciting. I can't wait. Like, I hope the Giants actually take a shot at one of these fucking receivers, unlike what they did last year. But obviously, they see a need now. I hope they see a need. If they don't see a need, that's an indictment on the front office. An indictment Rondale on Moore, Jones. by the way. Rondale Moore. I was saying yeah. Cardale Moore. I was like, Cardale Jones, I'm probably thinking of. But, <laughs> but uh, no, it's an insane class. But, yeah, like like I was saying about the Giants, like, and what, what you were saying is, like, might as well see what you got. And the one thing about Joe Judge, and I keep saying it over and over, I'm not going to say he's an elite coach. It's impossible to say he's an elite coach when he's 5-7, and seven and even though he's leading the division. He seems to be a damn good coach, especially when it comes to X's and O's. And having a game plan because Russell, oh god, sorry, I burped. Uh, Russell Wilson literally, he he looked so fucking inept. Like this, obviously he's had like the three interception games earlier this year, but this probably was like, I, he looked confused the entire game, and like obviously like you've seen this out of Russell Wilson in the past in recent years, but not really of Russell Wilson of now. And especially when, like, in previous games where, you know, he was kind of forcing the ball. This isn't even a game where he was necessarily forcing the ball. He was literally looking around, couldn't find anybody, and was taking sacks. And that's really, that that's part, that's, like, on him, partially on him. But he just, the, the secondary was outstanding. James Bradbury shut down DK Metcalf for most of the game. Like This is a really exciting defense to watch. The only thing that really gets me about Joe Judge is how fucking conservative he's on offense, and that's what scares the fuck out of me. Yeah, and that really, unfortunately, that really caps your offense. Like, if the whole, like, not going for it on fourth down and and his whole mentality that he came into the to the NFL with of well, we're in we're a New York team, so we need to run this offense like the New York, like average New Yorker, like it's like a hard, gritty, you know, whatever, hit him in the mouth kind of bullshit. Like the whole, I don't know, imposing your will and run first and all that shit. Like that's what scares me the most about Joe Judge, that he's an old school, outdated kind of guy that's gonna try to be Dave Gettleman's minion. I don't know, I don't know, but he, I will say that yes, he has played or his team has played way above their on paper, like view, like look. And so good for them. Um, I think that now, but also now to, to maybe move to the, to the other juggernaut that has now emerged, (laughs) the Washington football team led by the immortal Alex Smith. Um, like, Man, this I mean, okay, here's the thing. The Steelers, as good of a team as they are, it is so hard in this league to go undefeated. I mean, there's only been a few teams that have done it. And not only that, but they also had like the like their schedule's been changed so much. Like this is like it, it's it not to give them like much of an excuse because they've really for the most part played like shit. But uh it's got to be hard having like your schedule moved like four or oh, five yeah. times. I mean, they haven't had a full bye week, and Peace Mindy will tell you all the reasons why the Steelers have gotten fucked over and and blah blah blah. But which they have, I'm not I'm not trying to take that away. Yeah. But 
you know, I'm still on on the idea that they're probably the second best team in the AFC. Yeah, but I would agree. It's just the only reason why they're overrated is it's not a 1A, 1B kind of deal. It's definitely like the Chiefs than then 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 the Steelers. And it's like maybe not that maybe maybe there's only like five piles. But anyway, like it's it and it's really it falls on the quarterback, but the quarterback play Mahomes versus Big Ben. However, my whole point in saying this is like I wasn't astonished that the Washington football team won this. Hell, we I think we everyone but Peace Bendy picked them to cover. Um and I had a, a deep feeling that they would win outright. I just didn't really want to say it because I said the same thing with the Bengals and then I got kind of shit on with that with that pick. But yeah. Um no, but like this this Washington this Washington football team defense is also feisty. Um they are. And I and on paper they're just also much better than maybe even the Giants. Like all of the Giants have been playing well on paper at least this you know, they have Kendall Fuller, they have Chase Young, they have Brandon Allen, they have um, I don't know, a few other pieces there. Terry McLaurin, Logan Thomas is looking like a good tight end. Like, to, well, like <laughs> right, which was crazy, but um, yeah. Antonio yeah I mean, well, other than those two things, though, on offense, like they're really not all that great. Like Antonio Gibson's a decent running back for what that's worth, and um and whatever. They have they have a few good pieces and if Alex Smith can play like vintage Alex Smith, they have like this baseline. Yeah. Um, and then plus whatever they have on defense. So, so let's just, let's just say like, I, I, I think in the end, like these are really like two very, very even teams, especially with the role that the giants want Daniel Jones to play. They basically want Daniel Jones to play that game manager, Alex Smith role, except I mean, Daniel Jones, I'll give him credit where credit's due. When he's ripped the ball, he's ripped the ball pretty well. He's had, according to PFF, like he's had the, I believe, the highest quarter. Uh, uh, I can't speak. Pass rating. Trying to give, trying to give, Dan, trying to give Daniel Jones credit, and I can't even fucking say it. Uh, <laughs> don't be stubborn, Chris. Uh, passer rating on 20 yard, 20 plus yard throws, Daniel Jones, like he's. He's playing the game manager role well of late in recent weeks, but uh, but what I will say is like uh, like they're they're based they're very similar style offenses from what it looks like. Uh, Daniel Jones has a little bit more of the uh, deep throw possibility, but he also has more of the turnover proneness. Uh, so like really, I think it really comes down to schedule. So the Giants, the Giants play the Cardinals the Browns, the Ravens, and the Cowboys. I mean, honestly, like, if the Giants went, hypothetically, if they went 4-0 just because of the team they have on paper, I'd be shocked. But if they won any one of these games, I would be shocked. Like, like if they go in, like, game by game, if they beat the Cardinals, I won't be shocked. If they beat the Browns, won't be shocked. If they beat the Ravens, I won't be shocked, especially with how bad Lamar has been in passing the ball this year. They beat the Cowboys, I expect them to beat the Cowboys. They very well, they better beat the Cowboys. And the Washington football team, their schedule, they're facing the 49ers, the Seahawks, the Panthers, and the Eagles. So the thing is, if they both go 2-2, two and two, 
the Giants win the division. Giants have the tiebreaker. Who do you think wins the division? Well, so you said it was the it was the Panthers, the Seahawks, the 49ers, and what was the other team they played? Uh, for they play the 49ers, Seahawks, Panthers, and Eagles. Mm, so they okay. Not knowing much about Jalen Hurts, they probably should beat the Eagles, but that'll be a tough game. The Panthers will be a tough game. All of these will be tough games. I mean, like any however bad the 49ers are, it's coached by Kyle Shanahan. All of those, none of those are gimmies, and none of those you should expect no. Washington to win, other than maybe no. the Eagles. Um. But it's probably the same with the Giants. Yeah, exactly. That, no, I mean, oh, the only game you're going to expect them to win is the Dallas game. But yeah, I could see the I could see Washington, maybe not Seattle, but I could see them beating the Panthers. Obviously, I could see them beating the 49ers. Maybe that'll be tough, and then definitely the Eagles. Um, so like, I don't know. I, I think. The reason why I would lean on the Cowboys or the Cowboys, Jesus Christ, definitely not the Cowboys. The the Giants is because of the tiebreaker that you said. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Dale Jones was the the Washington football team killer and did his thing and 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 got that tiebreaker. So hell yeah. I mean, if you're gonna say that they might go the same record the rest of the way, then it'll probably be the Giants because there's I would be amazed if the if Washington won three of those games or if they even if they did win two then then the Giants would only have to would have to win only one of those four so it could happen it's just that given that like you said they're so even and the Giants already have the tiebreaker so that gives them a, an amazing advantage in terms of like they yeah the the, the the Washington football team have to has to have one more win than the Giants like that's that sucks for them. So, yeah, I, I'm so not the with Giants, but I think that Washington. I don't know. I mean, no, maybe, no, no. Giant fan should think this is a gimme right now. No, no, no. no. It's not. I mean, it's definitely not. And and even yeah. maybe Jalen Hurts comes back and they end up yeah. back in the race, and that tie ends up giving them the the oh, lead. Like literally, like it. It probably would have been like if the Steelers literally just played like an eleven and zero team. That, like this is probably a gimme. Like the Giants would just need one fucking game. They would just they'd probably just need one fucking win. And then yeah. they, they, that would be it. But anyway. So this is a quick question. We don't talk we don't talk about this too long. Do you think like Giants obviously deserve credit for this win for how much especially for how bad they made Russ look. Uh but does this is this more of a game where the Seahawks just overlooked their opponent or is this something that we should legitimately be worried about the Seahawks and the Seahawks offense because we have the concerns about the defense already well okay the thing is at the beginning of the season Russell Wilson was playing like an MVP he was the almost runaway MVP candidate even though Aaron Rodgers was still playing and at an MVP level but Russell Wilson had the narrative going into the season where yeah he's never got an MVP vote he deserves it, blah, blah, blah. This is his year. And then he was incredible. The first, what was it, four or five games? Then he hit that stretch of throwing like seven interceptions over the course of three games or whatever the hell it was. And then 
now. But but the thing was is that those those games were still close. Other than I think the Buffalo game. Yeah. But now you have this game, which on paper was close. But that's like it when when you're losing. Period. When you're not like running away with the game, where your opponent is the New York Giants, four and four and seven, led by Colt McCoy. Yeah. That that is super concerning. And not only was it like. And it wasn't like Colt McCoy lit anybody up. Like he threw for like a hundred yep. and some yards, like in a touchdown or whatever. I don't even know if he threw for a touchdown. Maybe, maybe he did. But the fact that Russell Wilson looked so bad, looked so lost, and they scored 12 points. Like Russell Wilson has always had the capability of being this great, you know, top five quarterback, but then every so often just having a shit game, right? Like yeah. that's just been Russell Wilson. Um, however, last year he didn't really have that. Like it was amazing Russell Wilson, top end Russell Wilson all year, and then he comes into this year lighting it on fire again. It's like wow, maybe Russell Wilson is not that kind of quarterback anymore. Maybe he's just you know quarterback two under Mahomes, and that's what he's going to be nonstop. But now we're kind of starting to see like all right, Russell Wilson is maybe not as you know in, invincible as, as we thought he was and he really just is still the same quarterback he just hit a stretch of, of playing really well which he did play very very well and I still think he's an amazing quarterback it's just that when you score 12 points against the Giants no matter how above their head they're playing like Jesus Christ like you are a Super Bowl contender quote unquote and you're losing to an NFC East team period like that yeah if that's not concerning, I don't know what the fuck is. So yes, yeah, it's, it's absolutely it's, concerning. Not to, not to ramble on too long, but I think both can be true. Your question was: yeah. Do the Giants deserve credit? Yes, they absolutely deserve credit. Is this also very worrisome for the Seahawks? Absolutely. Yeah, I think I think more so than anything, I think it just kind of gives you a little like it gives playoff teams a little bit of an edge in terms of what is the blueprint to stopping this. Seattle Seahawks uh, offense and what we've seen in that is we've seen two defenses in particularly in the Rams and in the Giants whose main ability in stopping the the Seahawks was prioritizing their coverage and you saw I mean obviously the Giants like behind Bradbury not very good corners but yet the defensive game plan they had they, the Seahawks didn't have many people open the entire fucking game. And so, I mean, we know that that Seattle scheme isn't like this incredible scheme. The one thing that they really have is the fact that Russell Wilson is Russell Wilson. DK Metcalf is DK Metcalf. Tyler Lockett is Tyler Lockett. And they're just able to beat people just based on pure ability and also, they finally decided to let Russ cook. But sometimes the ingredients in which you're cooking with, it doesn't really call for a good recipe. And the recipe for success for the Seattle Seahawks is Russell Wilson. It's all on Russell Wilson to pass the ball. And when that's not working, if you have a defense prioritizing coverage, I mean, the Seahawks, they're not really... They don't. They they seem like they don't really have the ability to scheme guys open. Rather, they just need their guys to get open. If that makes sense, I don't know if I right. worded that. Well. You know what it does, and and so, 
I think we kind of saw the same thing, not quite to this degree, last year, where, and I think if you follow, or if you don't follow Ben Baldwin on Twitter, he's a he's a big analytics nerd. He he, he whatever he writes a lot of big code Seahawks for fan. big big Seahawks analytics guy. Um, writes a lot of code for for R and, anyways, he, um kind of made the 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 observation that last year was the same kind of deal where the Seahawks were on fire on offense for a lot of the year and then um Tyler Lockett tweaks his knee or his leg or whatever it was last year and he's injured he had that one absolute stinker of a game where he didn't get a single catch on Monday night I had him in fantasy and I remember that night very vividly it was terrible <laughs> then this year it was I'm not saying that it's directly causal, but it did happen no. again where Tyler Lockett has is now most likely playing injured. And I mean, outside, okay, you have Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, two great complimentary receivers. When one of them goes down, now you have DK and David Moore. Like that's your guy. Yeah. Like that's your second now number two outside receiver. Like that's not good at all. And and so now whenever your entire team comes down to the arm of Russell Wilson, DK Metcalf, and a hobbled Tyler Lockett, whose main thing is getting open and stretching the field deep, and his leg is fucked up. Like, yeah. what? What's your now? You, and you have a shit defense, even worse than it was last year. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I don't really know how you expect to to be a contender. Now, I don't think that's a recipe for losing to the Giants, but apparently, it is. No, you got so. you got to get more easy throws for Russ. Like it's one it's one of those things where if one of your receivers is hurt, you can't really depend on DK to beat his matchup every time. Get him out in space. Get a few crossers for him. Like th- like this this like this game plan that they have where they're running a ton of vertical routes for DK, which granted it works, like it works pretty damn well, but at some point you have to adjust. And yeah. I think that's the problem with systems like Seattle's, like Tampa Bay's, Tampa Bay's especially because you have a 43-year-old Tom Brady and you're trying to force him to be a this like deep passer with no underneath routes whatsoever, which is crazy to me. But regardless, that's another rant for another day. I've already ranted about it anyway. <laughs> but this this system for Russ, which is a decent system, it, it's just it's not a system that's really they don't adapt. P. Carroll hasn't adapted. Greg Schottenheimer doesn't adapt. That's not what they do. And it's definitely a concern going into the postseason for when nobody's getting open. Can you draw somebody up? Can you make Russ's life easier? Does Russ consistently have to put you on his shoulders? And I think for unfortunately for the Seattle team, I think that's what they're going to have to do now quickly before we get out of here. Just one quick topic before we get out of here. So we both said earlier today on this podcast that the Steelers are the number two team in the AFC. If you had to pick a team that is close to number two, very well may be number two in the AFC, who would you pick? Well, I think the the obvious answer is Buffalo because okay, okay. we said at the same time. Uh, So so cute. Last year it was obviously was the Chiefs and the Ravens, right? Yeah. But this year, obviously, the, the Ravens have regressed. We've gone over it a million times. Lamar's not looking the same, blah, blah, blah. So now, with Josh Allen taking this massive step forward that he has and proving that it wasn't just a fluke the first four weeks, like he had that little crater in the middle, but now he's back to throwing for 375 yards and four touchdowns. He has shown that he can 
pull out that ridiculous stat line, that ridiculous high-end play on any given week. And because of that, because that he can do that and elevate that offense and that team to that level, I believe that on any given day, and on and by any given day, I mean that that glorious moment whenever in the AFC championship where it will be the Chiefs and somebody else, the team that I think maybe has the best shot on that day to beat the Chiefs would be the Buffalo Bills. Because the Steelers, while I do believe that their roster, player for player, is better. They have the weapons, they have Juju, they have Chase Claypool, they have Deontay, and they have a decent O-line. Their defense is incredible. Yeah. But Big Ben is limited. He's so limited this year, and his A-dot's low, his yards per attempt are so low. He doesn't have that ability to put the team on his shoulders and, and light up the stat line like Josh Allen does. And because of that, I don't think that he has the ability to outscore Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy and Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey on that given Sunday. Yeah. And so I, in, in, Arrow, in Arrowhead Stadium. I think the Steelers have a uncanny resemblance at least defensively, to the 49ers of last year. And as the 49ers showed, is that a defense that it, that prioritizes pass rush... The, I mean, don't get me wrong, I love a good fucking pass rush. I, I fucking love the Steelers front seven. It's awesome. It's so fun to watch. I would argue watching the Steelers on defense is more fun than watching them on offense. You can get beat through their secondary. They don't have a great secondary. They have Mink Fitzpatrick, and then they have a bunch of average starters around him. The, the Chiefs can beat that. I mean, as the 49ers showed, like, the only real secondary member the 49ers had this past Super Bowl was Richard Sherman. And even Richard Sherman, fucking Sammy Watkins went for 100 yards on him. Fucking Tyree Kill, even with the pass rush that the 49ers got on Patrick Mahomes, Fucking Tyree Kill had 100 yards. He got on a third and what was it? Third and 14 or something like that. It was some insane. Something, yeah, yeah. It was something, third and 14. They run the wasp route where Tyree Kill literally fakes inside, gets the safety off him, goes outside uh, for the corner, and Patrick Mahomes is 15 yards back from the line of scrimmage, and he just 15 yards back trying to avoid the pass rush that is the 49ers pass rush at the time, and just throws it. 50 yards to Tyree Kill, it's like you can't defend that. Like, how do you defend that without, like, some sort of secondary? And not to say that the Steelers can't, like, defend. Like, clearly the 49ers had a good defense most of the game against Patrick Mahomes. But the issue is most of the game doesn't stop the Chiefs. No, and and at least... Literally, they literally turn it on at any... They can turn it on at any point. And unless you score points it's extremely hard to keep them down because the 49ers had them the entire game and it took five minutes in the fourth quarter for them to just come back and win it so if you're telling me would i rather have the steelers who very well can stop patrick mahomes for 90 percent of the game or would i rather have the bills who can potentially keep up with patrick mahomes for 100 percent of the game i'd rather have the bills right and I think the the Big Ben 
or I should say the weapons on that offense give you a better floor, a better baseline, I think, on any given game than maybe the Bills have. But I don't think that baseline or that floor is necessarily enough to beat the Chiefs. Unless on in that game, Patrick Mahomes just sucks and has a bunch of hideous mistakes and turnovers. Um, then, then yeah, but I think the better thing that you can count on is scoring points. Like, that's how you have to beat the Chiefs. You cannot rely on your defense shutting down Patrick Mahomes for the entirety of the game. You have to outscore him. And most likely, a vast, vast majority... Of, I don't know what the his uh, what his points per game is as a starter. It's over 30. We know that. Yeah. So you have to score at least 30 points. Usually. Usually. Unless you're... Yeah, obviously, yeah but, you have caveats every so often. But, like... Defense is not necessarily something that you can rely on like week after week after week to, to win you games. Now the whole defense wins championships. Like, I mean, it's the case sometimes like with the 2000 Steelers and the 2015 Broncos and, and the Legion of boom, like, yes. Ravens. What? 2000 Ravens. You accidentally said Steelers. I know you're going at though. Sorry. The 2000 Ravens. Sorry. Yeah. Definitely not the Steelers. So, that it can be the case, but I think a more reliable. All the best teams in the NFL are passing heavy teams, and it's just that I think the Bills give you a better a better ceiling, a better chance at going head to head with Patrick Mahomes and and dueling him with with his with Cole Beasley, with John Brown if he's healthy and Stephon Diggs, and having a a Josh Allen that is there to play and on his game that day, that gives, that is the best almost, I mean, as much of a mirror image as you can have to that offense in, in Kansas city. Now, will that, are they going to be, is it, is it likely they're going to win that game even with all that happening? No, but it's the best shot, I think. So, uh, I mean, it's hard to put the bills above the, the Steelers in a power ranking. But if I was me personally going to say who I'm more comfortable with going into the AFC championship, I would say Buffalo. Yeah, I hundred percent agree, especially because like I'm trying to pull up the stat I that I posted uh a while ago. Uh about the, the Chiefs in losses. Yeah, literally the Chiefs in their in their losses, like when they've lost with Patrick Mahomes, because he's only lost nine times in his career right now. But I can't find the fucking stat. I, I gotta just save this stat because I feel like I reference it a lot. Um, I, okay, I got it right here. In his losses, the amount of points other teams have scored are 43, 54, 29, 38, 19. 31, 35, 40, and 37. There's literally t- two games under 30 that in his career, and one of them was 29, and then one of them was like 19, where Patrick Mahomes had like an ankle injury against the Indianapolis Colts, and it was just a weird game overall. But other, otherwise, he has one loss in his career where the you where they scored under 20, and he's had two losses in his career where they scored under 30, and that game was for 29 points. Overall, the off- offenses that have beat 
Patrick Mahomes in the nine losses overall 36.2 points on average you have to score if you're telling me who's going to score 36.2 points against Patrick Mahomes you tell me Big Ben as it is Big Ben is awesome as he used to be or Josh Allen it's Josh Allen God, I wish Peach Mitty was here because I know he would hate us for not for saying this. I'm oh, sorry, he, Peach. Yeah, he would be. I mean, but it, but also Peach Mitty has also acknowledged the limitations. That no, he's no, have. he's he's realistic, but he's 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 definitely realistic. He's definitely not like he doesn't have the blinders on uh, when it comes to the Steelers. He understands the the obstacles that there are, but uh, you know, it's. It's going to be tough. It's going to be really tough to win in the AFC. As for the NFC, it's completely wide open. Fuck, the fucking Giants can apparently win the fucking NFC championship for all I fucking know. Uh, just and just, to, just to, one last thing before I go, just a side note. Where I think I, I texted you earlier. I don't know if you ended up seeing it, but um, there, there's this Twitter account that was oh. very prevalent for a while during the, the whole Josh Allen, does he suck the answer was yes, or is he good? Um, at the time that this was like a popular thing that Chris and I were experiencing on Twitter, it was like the whole Josh Allen brigade, like he's the future, blah, 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 despite no evidence that he was, despite everything pointing that he was not good. We There was this, there's one conversation. Here's where we'll give him credit. Well, I We got to preface this because... The thing is, we we always acknowledge the athleticism that Josh Allen has always had. We had no problem with that. On in 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 a vacuum, if you're talking about quarterbacks, where you're talking about arm strength, athleticism, blah blah blah, he clearly had all the tools. And neither you or nor I really really denied that. What we denied was the fact that, statistically speaking, when it came to accuracy, which is probably the most important thing in the NFL other than like just reading a defense. He just wasn't there. He's been ranked amongst the bottom five quarterbacks in in the league in his first three years in terms of accuracy. Yeah. And, and so given that that's what we were saying, and this was back in April, by the way, of this year. And yeah. So he, we gotten basically like, it was me and Chris and this random guy and some other Josh Allen, whatever champions. Like they were throwing passer rate. Like, look, he's like better than Aaron Rodgers on the right side of the field and 15 plus yards and passer rating and blah, blah, blah. It was just fucking absurd. And we were, all we were saying is, look, I, I'm not actively rooting against Josh Allen. I think he's probably a good kid. And I hope that he's, and I don't think there's no way that he's going to be good going forward there's a possibility like obviously he's taking a step forward and blah, blah blah but anyway today granted this is this is like what nine months later yeah uh I, I did it eight months i get a notification on twitter of this fucking bill's quarterback watch which is the name of the, the twitter account liking my tweet from that conversation that shouldn't was have hated bro shouldn't <laughs> have hated shouldn't have been a hater Shouldn't have been a hater. Fucking like put me on freezing cold takes. Like Jesus Christ. Like he, he basically my tweet said my, my tweet verbatim said Blake Bortles also made strides after his rookie year and took his team to the AFC championship. Let's hope for y'all's sake. It doesn't turn out the same way. I don't hate the kid by any means. Just think y'all need to pump the damn brakes. And that's, I think that's a very valid thing. That's a very decent take to have, especially in April of this year 
like yeah. in the off season. I, I think most people, unless you're, uh, unless you're like literally a like Chiefs fan, Packers fan, um, Seattle fan, even Houston fan, I guess, like like literally, unless you have like one of those four quarterbacks, like you need to pump the brakes in your quarterback if you think he's like this promised land type of quarterback. Like there, there's really like there's four, there's four elite quarterbacks in the NFL right now, and that's Mahomes, uh, Rogers. Uh, Watson, uh, Wilson, and like the rest of them, it's just like you can be happy to have your quarterbacks, but pump the fucking brakes if you're really gonna say like they're 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 talking about they were talking about Allen as if like he was this like guaranteed top five quarterback, gonna be this Super Bowl winning quarterback. I don't know, like it was it was crazy, it was crazy shit. But as of now, we were wrong, and I'm happy to say I'm wrong because he's damn fun to watch. And no, exactly. I, like that that was my whole thing is like. I'm not rooting against him. If he's good, good for him. Like, honestly, like I'm, I was never a Josh Allen hater. It was more like the Josh Allen fanatic hate. Like I hated same with the drew lock shit. Luckily we were right on him. If we were wrong on drew lock, God, I would have fucking ended my shit. Dude. I just never would have been able to get over myself. And the thing is, I feel what I'm worried about is I'm not really too worried. Cause I see more in Josh Allen than I, than I, than I did see in last year where the, the, this happens a lot where we auto-correct our opinions. And I remember admitting, because this happened last year with Lamar Jackson, because I wasn't ever really a fan of Lamar Jackson other than the fact that like he was like a good rusher. I, I talked about his accuracy issues the same way I did about Josh Allen. And then last year happened, and I was like, wow, this guy's like really improving. Like his accuracy, though it wasn't like the best in the NFL or anything like that, he showed that he was accurate enough to be the MVP of the league. And we all auto-corrected. We all assumed that he was gonna be a top five quarterback. And then like this year happens and he's back to being not very good at passing. And hopefully hopefully Lamar, like he gets back on tracks. So I enjoy watching a good Lamar. But like when it comes to Josh Allen, like, would we would we be shocked if like next year he like went back somewhat to being like Josh Allen of old? I think Josh Allen of like being a decent quarterback is here to stay. Seeing like he's in my book right now, he's a top five quarterback in the league. I just hope. I mean, hear me, Bills fans. I hope that this is here to stay because it's very fun to watch. I hope that this isn't like an auto correction where I'm saying he's a top five quarterback. He is my fifth quarterback ranked this year. He is a top five quarterback in my eyes, in my book. I'm saying it. I'm planting my flag in Josh Allen right now. Don't hate me. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of being hated by you guys. I want to join you. I want to jump. I want to jump off a fucking van into a fucking table at a Bills uh, tailgate. But uh, but what I'm saying is like. Quarterback evaluation, so like it's so funky. Because w- would you be shocked if like Josh Allen like reverted back like somewhat? No, no. I mean, because we're we're literally seeing it with with Lamar, and we've seen it with Cam, we've seen it with now Carson Wentz. Like, there's just all like obviously those are you know extremes maybe, but I think that well even Josh Allen this year, like we've seen a couple games where it's like wow that was that was old Josh Allen. Like the the Titans was it the Titans game? Right. Um, did the Titans win that game? Uh, the Titans, the, no, no, the Bills, Bills lost. Titans. I think that's when Titans went five and zero. The Titans whooped them, and it was like the, and it was like, oh shit! Like, is this is is old Josh Allen reared in his ugly head, and then 
now he's had performances since then to 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 prove maybe that maybe that wasn't the case. Uh, but I think that it's not like one of them is going to be here to stay permanently. It's maybe going to be an alternating thing. Like you're going to have high end Josh Allen, you're going to have mid tier Josh Allen, you're going to have low end Josh Allen where he's bad. And so and you you hope that when you get to the playoffs that he hits that string of highs and maybe that'll take you far into the AFC. But. He's been he's been so fucking good though. Like I I, like, I he's so fucking fun to watch. Like I I hope he's oh, here to stay. And the thing is, even when he's bad, he's still fun to watch. Like he's still like yeah. he makes these like ridiculous plays like that an NFL player yeah. like probably shouldn't make, but he does anyway, and it's just hilarious. Yeah, he's I I I personally I think he's here to stay for the most part. Obviously, like he's going to have those bad games. Most quarterbacks usually do, but I think like top five level play. I think. I, th- I think I think he's probably here to stay. I hope. I really do. Anyway, we need to get out of here. Uh, we've kept you guys too long. Thank you for listening. Gavin, anything you want to say to the people before we leave? Any fun facts? Um, no fun facts. I do just want to say that now we are heading into the start of the fantasy football playoffs, and I just want to wish everyone good luck, and may your team score many points. Yeah, but uh, if you score more points than your opponent, you win. And I hope that happens for all of you, our listeners. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you on the next episode.